this is um, Relax, uh, Faith Through Life Storms. Um, if you guys were uh, looking for Mackie, I hear he's cutting someone in half for his lesson and he's going to pull a rabbit out of I don't know where uh, for his magic tricks today. But uh, my name's TC and um, I'm the campus minister at the Crossings Church Interbelt. I became a Christian 12 years ago. Uh, it's funny, 13 years ago, if you like go like a quarter mile down the street, um, Spinnaker's and La Vila and that beach all right there. I was part of uh, Spring Break Week down here in Panama City. I got to hear uh, Little John and the Ying Yang Twins live in concert on the beach. <laughs> get low, get low, right? So, um, so that's who I was. I was a drunk uh, when I found God. I was a jerk, uh, I loved the ladies, uh, and God got into my life and completely transformed me into someone that, um, when I tell people what I do now that knew me then, they're like, wait, you? You're in ministry? You are helping college students? You were the one that, like, told me to keep drinking and, like, come on, this is, like, a fun night, you know, and do, like, all this crazy stuff. So I was, uh, I was an interesting guy um, back in the day. And I just want to say, like, I have been like so encouraged by the worship this week. Has anyone else just felt like the worship has been awesome? I mean, not just the people on the stage, but the hearts of the people around. I could just feel awesome. And wouldn't that be great if when we went back home, like we could have that feeling all the time, right? And it's, it's great. We're going to go back. We're going to be fired up on our campuses. We're going to be ready to reclaim everyone around, you know, for God and do all this amazing stuff, but unfortunately when we get back, life is going to settle in. And the Bible says that, uh, that we're going to have storms, we're going to have things that test our faith and uh, are looking to shipwreck us. In high school, uh, we had a bus strike. Um, so when we had field trips or anything like that, uh, we would have to drive to where we were going. We would like, do this like big, like almost looked like a funeral caravan or whatever, but my senior year it was raining and we were on our way to a DECA thing, like a business something. Um, my coach was a teacher, so I had to do it or whatever. So, but we were driving and um, I started a hydroplane and I was gonna hit the car in front of me. There's just nothing I could do. And I remember like this odd calmness come about me and I just said in my mind, relax. And I took a deep breath I relaxed my shoulders and just let it happen. And when we talk about like the storms and going through in faith, uh, we really do need to relax and know that God's got this. But there's some things that we can do to respond in faith that are going to help that process. There's a few things you guys need to know about storms before we jump into the lesson. Now, storms come in all different shapes and sizes, right? Uh, if you live in Florida, you're no stranger to tropical storms and hurricanes, right? Right? I know uh, in St. Louis, we just had massive storms, like not hurricane stuff. There's tornadoes, a drizzle, right? Storms come in all different shapes and sizes. And in life, the, the storms that test us come in all different shapes and sizes. Loss of a family member, addiction, relationship issues. Sometimes you're just having a bad day and you just can't figure out why. The storms come, right? Um, storms can hit, uh, hit people in different ways, right? And in St. Louis, we had, uh, you guys hear like the floods that are happening like in the St. Louis area, some of you from out, out of St. Louis, like massive floods, people losing their homes, right? They lost their homes, I had a soggy yard. You know, and in life, if, I, if, my, if my mom were to 
pass away, right, it would greatly affect me. I would be devastated. I love my mom, right? And my, my wife loves my mom, but it wouldn't affect her the same way that it affects me. And Brian, who cares about me deeply, he's going to be sad for me, but it's not going to affect him in the same way. So different storms hit different people different ways. Uh, and storms can last different lengths of time, right? I lived in Gulf Shores for four months. It's like every afternoon, th there's a rainstorm, 20 minutes, then it's over, right? In St. Louis, it literally didn't stop raining for five days. Right? Just rain, 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 floods, 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 right? And hurricanes and all kinds of different things. And finally, and most importantly, uh, storms happen regardless of where you are. They happen regardless of where you are. Um, you know, there's rainstorms. They say, what about deserts, right? Sandstorms, right? Ice storms, wind, right? Storms happen in life. Storms happen whether you're running to or from God. Wherever you're at in your relationship with God. When you look at Jonah, Jonah was a man who God told him, hey, go preach the, the, uh, the repentance to, the, to Nineveh. Right? And he said, I want no part of that. Right? And does anyone here have a nose ring? And what about a hoop? Yeah. I have a hoop. Imagine seeing... Stand up real quick. Come here. You said, do you have a hoop? Does anyone have a hoop? Come here. And actually, does anyone have like a couple phone books she could stand on? She's kind of short, so I don't know oh. if we could see her. Okay. Just imagine here. And who cares about Amber here? A few people? All right. If you don't know her, you should. Amber is a great person. Now imagine if I took a piece of rope and tied it to this hook. And I started dragging Amber from her home to a far off land. All right? And if Amber wasn't walking fast enough, imagine when you tie a string to a tooth and you slam the door and it rips out. Now imagine seeing my adorable little Amber here, me yanking her and ripping that ring out of her nose. How would you feel about me as a person? Now what if I said, all right, well that didn't work. I'm going to put one in the other side. How would you feel about that? And I did it again. And then I put a hook through her cheek and I did it again. I drug her all the way from her homeland, from here, all the way back up to St. Louis on foot. How would you feel about me? You guys wouldn't like me very much. Thank you, Amber. Thank you. And this people that took over Jonah's people, that's what they did. And he saw that happening. And so God said, I want you to go and preach repentance so that these people could be saved. Would you want to do that? I'd run too. Right? I wouldn't want to do that. Uh-uh. Not going to happen. So he ran from God, right? Gets on a ship. I was like, first ticket in the kid's Bible that we have, it says, and Jonah bought the first ticket to not Nineveh, please. That's what it says in my kid's Bible. And so he was sailing away, right? And the storm comes and they're, they're, they're going and they're, they're like, what are the people are like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And he's like, all right. They, they threw him overboard, right? So the storm happened, whether he was, uh, he was running from God. When you look at Acts 27, where we're going to be out of today, Paul was a man who was passionately running towards God. Right? And the storm still came. Right? And in my life, I can tell you, like I told you, drinking just a half mile down the beach, I was running from God. And like Jonah, I had a lot of legitimate reasons to run from God. If you guys know me, some of you have heard my story, seeing my dad literally beat my mom within an inch of her life. And it was like, why would God put me in a place like this? 
you know, and then find out later my sister was sexually abused and, and to drugs in my house and manipulation and a nasty divorce. Why would God, if he loves me, why would God put me in this? I want no part of a God like that. And I was running from God. And the storm still hit me. They knocked me down. And they left me just feeling hopeless. And I can tell you guys, um, I made my choices to put me in those places. Right? Those were my choices and how I responded to the storm. And I kept digging myself in deeper because God had no part in my life. But like Paul, guys, over the last 12 years, you know, I haven't been perfect. I've made a lot of mistakes. And I, with my attitude and things, and I've hurt people. But I think people would describe me as a man who's seeking after God. Right? And I've still had storms in my life over the last 12 years. Uh, most recently, um, my sister, Mal, um, she got diagnosed with lupus like five years ago. And she is a better person than I am. More faith than I can even imagine. And so she's had lupus, it's this autoimmune thing, and it makes her feel weak. She's had to have chemo. She, uh, she got, uh, the lupus worked into her brain, so she had cerebral lupus. And it's like, when you think of like a, an older person with like a Parkinson's or like a thing where they're like there, and you see glimpses of who they were, um, she's there, but she's not Mal, she's not my sister. And I've just found out last night that she, uh, they have to do like a brain biopsy, so they've got to actually, uh, instead of just doing it, they've got to like crack her skull open and do it that way. And that's just, anytime you go into the brain, that's scary stuff. Uh, but there's a chance she could get into like the Mayo Clinic, so there's hope there. It's just, it's hard because I wish I could just step in and be like, you serve in the junior high ministry and do what you love because you're so good at it and let me take this from you, but I can't. So it, it does test my faith. And even like my co-leader in ministry, Jess Williams, has had Meniere's and she's dizzy and she wants to do all this stuff and help all these people. And then I look at her and she's like trying her hardest, trying to get out of bed and can't do it. And she's dizzy and she's falling over and that stuff tests your faith. You know, five, uh, was six or seven years ago, honey? Marie and I, we've been married like nine years. We decided, all right, we're going to have, we're going to start the family. We're going to like add to the family, actually. So we got pregnant. And when you get pregnant, like, guys, you campus, there's like top two or three greatest things that ever happens to you. It's awesome. Like, you're, oh my gosh, you start dreaming and your names and you're like, oh, who are they going to marry? And you do all this stuff and you're praying and you're just, oh, it's so awesome. Right, and so uh, about 16 or 14 weeks in, we got a test, and it was like, oh man, like there's some stuff wrong. And so we were like, all right, well, let's name the baby. And we went with Lillian Hope, and I actually have it right here to remind me of not only what I lost, but what I gained from from that. And so we're like, the hope of the things to come, and the hope to know that we're going to see her in heaven if she doesn't make it. And um, so there was some stuff wrong. She uh, Turner syndrome. Um, we ended up finding like four weeks later that we ended up losing the baby. And I remember sitting in the hospital and it's that same thing as, God, why? Why? All these dreams. So I wrote something, and I'm going to read it to you. And it still, it gets me. It's seven years later. And um, it says a heartbeat. I remember the first time I heard my baby's heartbeat. Bump, bump, bump. A rapid fire bump. 
It had made my heart bump and leap. It warmed my insides and put a grin on my face that was so big and lasted so long that my face actually hurt. My mind began to dream and hope for what was to come. We were both so excited. Today, Marie and I found out that the little machine gun heartbeat that we had heard just nine days earlier had faded away and become silent. Now my face hurts for a much different reason. My eyes hurt from the tears that have rolled down my frowning face and a place of my heart that once jumped for joy now lies a giant void where my baby's dreams once were. As the reality sets in and my mind begins to wrap itself around what is actually happening, I begin to see what I've been grasping for all day. God, how could God have a plan for my baby, my little girl, my little Lily? As I... As I look back on the good that came from my baby's short time on earth, I realize that God made someone that was and truly extraordinary. I realize that my baby had done in 18 weeks what some people work an entire lifetime for. She brought an already close group of believers even closer together. She made people who have not known God become closer to her creator. She brought joy and happiness. She has helped her parents to become closer to God, each other, and others in ways that we didn't even know were possible. Daddy's little girl is so special. I still dream for her. I dream of the day I will meet her. And she is being held by God. And he hands her over to me and says, Welcome, my son. She's been waiting for you. I know where she is, and I know that God knit her together, and he has not made a mistake. I know he has a plan and it is not for me to understand, but to have faith and trust in him, the creator of everything, that knows what is best. Job 11, 13, 13 through 20. Yet if, I, if you devote your heart to him and stretch out your hands to him, if you put away the sin that is in your hand and allow no evil to dwell in your tent, then you will lift up your face without shame and you will stand firm and without fear. You will surely forget your trouble, recalling it only as waters gone by. Life will be brighter than noonday, and darkness will be like morning. You will be secure because there is hope. You will look. You will look about and take your rest in safety. You will lie down. No one will make you afraid, and many will court your favor. But the eyes of the wicked will fail, and escape will elude them. Their hope will become a dying gasp. I read this tonight over and over again, knowing that Job was a man of, of great faith, an example of how to act and react in time of, times of trouble. I read this knowing that God has an awesome plan for me, Maria, and everyone, plans to prosper and not to harm us, but we must continue to search for him with our whole heart. My family will not be moved by this, only encouraged to do what is right, straining ahead knowing that at the end of the road there is hope of things to come. Maria and I love you very much. Thank you for your support, your love, acts of service, and everything. TC, Maria, and Lillian Hope. And I, I wrote that, I think for me, partially, but also to let people know that God was working, even through the storm. He was working on my heart and Maria's heart and the heart of our church and the hearts of our nurses and the hearts of the people around us. And guys, uh, there's a difference between me now and 12 years ago. Because 12 years ago, how I dealt with a storm was at the bottom of a bottle. I was drinking six, seven nights, days a week. I was drinking and driving, mixing drinks while I drove. I was at work, I was drunk. At school, I was 
going to my car and getting beer. I just, that's how I dealt with the storms. Um, I hurt the people around me and I only thought of myself. I didn't do any good with anyone around me. But after God, like I said, I still have my weaknesses and I still have my things that I need to work on. But um, I try to seek the will of God. Find comfort in Christ and I try to bring others closer to Christ. So if I'm going to relax through life storms, i got four things for you guys to do. First, I must remember that God provides us with timely resources. God provides us with, with timely resources. You see, when you get into Acts 27, um, the first thing um, it talks about is he talks about people that God put in Paul's life. He said a centurion named Julius who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. Julius. Who is he? We don't know much about Julius. right? But he's in Paul's life and he should be someone that doesn't treat Paul with a lot of respect. But he actually ends up helping Paul in, uh, in several ways. He saves Paul's life in Acts 27. But he also allows Paul to go see some of his friends in the area. Other than that, we don't know anything about that. And guys, when you're in the storm, or when you're headed towards a storm, God is putting people in your life that are going to help bring you closer to God and see you through the storm. And not just see you through the storm, but have victory through the storm. <coughs> guys, for, uh, for me, the people that kind of led me through the storm at the end. There's this kid named Eric. And Eric was a wrestler. And Eric was like a little brother to me. I was five years older than Eric. And uh, I had encouraged Eric to, uh, to cheat on his girlfriend of like five years. We were drinking. He was in high school. Like that's how the kind of person and character I had. Um, and she found out. She broke up with him. Eric was devastated. Right? He, I caused a storm in Eric's life. Or I contributed to it. And so I went by to check on Eric because I felt really guilty about what had happened. And I was like, Eric, I can tell you, man, there's other, there's other fishing to see. He felt hopeless. And when I was leaving Eric's house, something like in the back of my mind told me, go back and check on Eric. Right? So I take a step out of his house. I'm in the garage. I remember exactly where I was, what cars were parked, stuff even on the walls. And I, he, I was like, ah, oh, he's fine. I took a couple more steps. Hey, you really need to go back and check on Eric. A couple more steps. Go back and check on Eric. And finally, I was like, okay, fine, I'll go check on Eric. So I go, I check his room. He's not there. I check the computer. He's not there. I check in the kitchen. He's not there. Living room, bathroom. He's nowhere. The only place he could be would be downstairs. So me and his brother walk down the stairs and we open the basement door and we turn and Eric is hanging in his basement with an extension cord. We get him down and Eric's, Eric's alive. All right? And you're like, how's that leading you to a storm? Or through the storm? How's that leading you to God? That's weird. All right, well, it got me thinking about where my life was going. But at that time, the uh, Winsville Church had just started. And they brought over a kid uh, named Matt Cauley, who was a senior in high school, decided to leave his family because he felt like called by God to go on the church plant. And he wrestled with Eric. Well, at that time, Matt's like, he's going through a storm. I could be one of his people to lead him through. He starts reaching out, they study the Bible, and they're sitting down and are like, what are some things you're going to have to give up in your life to get through this storm and to find God and to change your life? And the first thing he said is, I need to get TC out of my life. The first thing, not I need to quit drinking, not I need to quit doing this. The first thing he said is, I need to get TC out of my life. 
And like hearing that now, I was like, man, I was a terrible person. But I thank God that Matt and Carrie were like, before you cut them out, why don't you start getting them to come along? And thank God he did. And he invited me, like <coughs> relentlessly invited me. Hey, why don't you come to dinner on Saturday night, then we'll go to church. I oh, no, no, man, I'm fine. Come to dinner and we'll go to church. Come to dinner and we'll go to church. No, 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 I'm fine. And finally he's like, why don't you come to this birthday party? And then if you like everyone, then you can come to church. So I went over to Glen Carbon. I went to this guy Juan's birthday. And, and then the next morning I went to church. And I haven't missed anything in 12 years. So he put Eric, he put Matt, he arranged all this stuff. And he put people in my life to help bring me closer to God. And there are Julius is in your life. They're going to help you come closer to God. And sometimes you're going to overlook them if you don't see them there. But then there's also, there's the friends that he had inside on, in the area. There's no church recorded here. It doesn't say that they're believers, but he had friends that could care for his needs. And when you're in the storm, you're going to have needs. You're going to need people that can help tend to your needs. All right? So what kind of needs do you have? That wasn't random that those people were there. You guys, in my life, I've had hurts. My parents divorced. And seeing my dad beat my mom, that's a, that's a hurt, a scar. It cuts deep. Every time I talk to my dad, I think about that. It continues, I feel like, to scar me. But people have helped me come to a place where I can live with it and I can and find like, a little bit of hope in it. And knowing that like, my family doesn't have to be like that. My, dad, my, my son's never going to have to hear a phone hitting the wall or stuff getting thrown over hiding underneath the bed to get away from my son's never going to have to find feel that right I've had habits my drinking my my hangups can be my attitude but I have people to help see me through that to care for my needs so who has God put in your life to help tend to your needs guys open your eyes there are people around you that are right in your presence right now every day that are there for you to tend to your needs for me, I've talked about Carrie and Ben, who spoke yesterday, right? Those people help me. Uh, my friend Wes, Brian, there's people in my life, Robert back there, that have helped me. And then finally, uh, people, the resources, is he put, he put Luke there. And if you read through it, you're not going to find Luke's name there. But it says, as we boarded the ship. Who's the we? Who's the author? He didn't say as Paul boarded the ship, like he had, was telling a story. He's saying as we boarded the ship, Luke was there. And Luke was at, and guys, if, if you know anything about me, uh, I grew up in O'Fallon, Missouri, White Town, USA. Um, and not to, not to say anything like, like racist or anything, just there weren't a lot of black people, right? And if, if my uh, high school teammates could see like who's in my ministry now, they, they would just like, Jaws are, what? Like you? Like, yeah? You, no. Like, so, uh, these are your ride or die guys, right? And uh, I got permission. Uh, one of my guys told me, I call him partner. Partner, you don't know our partner. Like that, I call him partner. So who's your partner? Who's your ride or die guy? Luke was ride or die with Paul. Right? I mean, he's literally going like this prison ship. And, and Paul knew when he went to Jerusalem, he was going to die. And Paul's riding with him. Right? So who's your ride or die guy? If you don't have anyone like that in your life, guys, you got the wrong kind of friends. Proverbs 18.24 One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. 
If you don't have that ride or die guy, you need to get some new friends. You need to find that person in Christ that you can ride or die with, that person that's going to stick by your side no matter what. As I've, I talked, you know, you guys know my relationship with Carrie, um, my best friend Brian Williams. Um, <laughs> this is how we are. Like two weeks before his wedding, we were in a car, and um, he's got a, a little bit of an anger problem. Um, and I'm like riding shotgun, and his wife, uh, she would have killed us if she would have known before. This guy cuts him off in traffic. So what does he do? He cuts him back off, right? And so then that car cuts him back off, and they start to get out of the car. And my friend, do you stand up for me? He's like this. I mean, he's a big dude. And he gets out, and these two dudes, it said father and son, and he goes on his car, and he goes, come on, like that. And my hand's on the door, and I'm like, are we fighting? Are we, are we about to get... Are we about to get in a fight two weeks before his wedding? And if you know his wife, us getting in a fight would have been the least of our worries because she would have killed us both. <laughs> we would, and I, he does that, and they look at him, and they just get back in the car, and I'm like, thank God I didn't have to try to explain that. I'm like, best man in the wedding, and I'm like, all right, ride or die, man. I guess we're fighting here. <laughs> like, right? So it's, it's crazy. And I was like scared, and I'm like a wrestler, so like the fighting part I'm not really was like worried about. It was really Leah, and I hope she listens to this. That'd be awesome. Uh, my, bu- my buddy, uh, and we didn't tell her before. That. I think we kind of like omitted that till after the I do's or whatever. Uh, my buddy Mitch, is Mitch, Mitch is in here? Mitch, man, Mitch is a ride or die guy for me. We've, uh, we've gone through a lot. We've uh, ministry, crazy parents together, um, his own uh, <coughs> miscarriages and stuff, but then celebrate the baby and just ride or die. Right. Uh, recently, it's been we call him New Brian because Brian Williams got jealous of when New Brian came. Brian, raise your hand. When New Brian came in, so like I put our profile picture up, and uh, my best friend unfriended me on Facebook, so I changed the picture. Um, <laughs> so, uh, um, but I have I have my ride or die guys, and God's put those people in my life to know like no matter what I go through. I know when the, the fight starts to happen and the storm comes, I can look to my left, I can look to my right, and I've got guys in my life that are going to help see me through. And guys, like I said, if you don't have that, you need to find that. In Acts 17, right? And one man, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they would seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him yet he is not far from each one of us i know through the storm guys we can feel like god is so far away or that he doesn't even exist and i can tell you that the whole time god has been arranging the times and places and the resources in your life to help see you through that storm because he's going to put the right people around you the Juliuses, the friends inside on the luke's in your life to help see you through the storm And he's going to put you in the right place at the right time to help bring you closer to him. He's not far from you. So sometimes through our choices and the things that have happened, it's just hard to see him. But like when we lost uh, Lily, I had to search for him and seek him. And when I sought him with my whole heart, he was right there the whole time holding me and saying, son, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And guys... We're not meant to go through those storms alone, and we're foolish if we try. 
Um, so the first thing I must remember that God provides us with timely resources. And second, I must remember that God warns me so I can revise my direction. He warns me so I can revise my direction. Right? He will do it with people. He'll do it with his word. And he'll do it through situations in our lives. And guys, he will warn us directly before it starts. Like, if you do this, this is going to happen. He directly warns us. In Acts 27.10, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous. This is Paul speaking. Our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and the cargo and to our own lives also. So it's not like these people set out and they're like, what's going on here? Paul warned them. And it's not like they didn't know who Paul was. They were taking Paul to Jerusalem to kill him. They knew he was a man of God. You know, it wasn't like last night. I was completely shocked by the storm last night. I hadn't checked the weather since we got... I come out from the dance party and it's raining. There's a storm. It wasn't like that. Right? Paul, they knew. If you do this, this will happen. In Acts 2.41, right? Peter warned them with many other words and begged them, save yourselves from the evil of today's people. He warned them. And I got a coffee uh, with Brent this morning. And Noah was like... Save yourself, right? The rain's coming. The storm is upon us. And they still didn't listen. So Paul, he's directly warned, but then he also indirectly warns us. Right? He doesn't say, like, hey, X, Y, and Z is going to happen if you don't do this. He just says, hey, the storm's coming. Right? You're going to go through trials. Right? Um, and some people confuse the relationship with God as like a storm-free pass. When I sign up with God, it's going to be all blessings and rainbows and, and all this stuff, and it's going to be great. It's a big party all the time. Nothing bad ever happens. We're going to live forever and all hit the $1.6 billion, right? A life, with God, right? a life with God isn't a free pass from storms. It's aligning yourself with the best person to see you through the storms. The storm is a call, and the warning is a call to persevere through them. In 1 Peter 4.22, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Something strange were happening. It's like, hey, it's coming, guys. This isn't strange. I'm telling you it's going to happen. Just brace yourself. Is, uh, is my man Jarrett in here? Good. Okay. All right. So Jarrett, Jarrett is a guy. He, uh, he was... Um, uh, he got baptized last year uh, at the University of Umsel. And if you know something about Jared, he scares easily. But isn't that right, Aaron? Yeah, he scares easily. You could just hide behind the corner and go poop like that, and he will jump. I, I'll go through the parking lot, and I'll, 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 I'll like turn on the, the, the clicker thing on my car, the panic button, when he's there, and he'll be like, Whoa! like that, and he'll jump like crazy. So Jared, so to help my man out, and Boston and Corbin love to scare Jared. So to help my man out, I'll tell him, hey man, they're hiding around the corner. Like, just they're there. to try to help my man out. So he won't be so scared. And so, and guys, this is not an invitation to meet Jared and then scare Jared for the next two days. Because he'll kill me. Um, but guys, it's more of a warning that I keep your eye out. The storm's coming. The scare's coming. Right? 
And that's what God wants us to do, to build up our faith and put the right people around us so that way when the storm comes, we can find our way through it with faith in God. All right. So I must remember that God provides us with timely resources. I must remember that God warns me so I can revise my direction. And I must remember God uses the storm to refine my character. God uses the storm to refine my character. And the first thing that he does with that is he wants us to clear the decks. In Acts 27, 18, and 19, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to overthrow the cargo, or they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. You know, clear the deck. Where does that sound familiar, right? We talked about Jonah earlier, right? They cleared the deck. Boom! Overboard, right? Hebrew, uh, and clearing the deck is a call to repentance, guys. To get rid of that stuff that doesn't need to be on there so that way you can get through the storm. Hebrews 12.1 Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us run with perseverance. Let's get through this storm. But if you're going to do that, when I, in college, I was a, if you know me, I'm a, I was a little bit of a smart mouth. And my coaches would get mad at me. And we had this guy named Claude. And Claude was our heavyweight. And I was our 165-pounder. When I would smart off to Coach Smith, he would send me out in the hallway with Claude. And I would have to run up the stairs with Claude on my back. And Claude was a big guy. And I was not as big as I am now. And so um, that's what I would do. And that was a weight that hindered me. Right? And we've got things in our lives. It's not necessarily sin. But there are weights in our lives that hinder us from our relationship with God. Right? Those things that tug at that number one spot, right? Boyfriends and girlfriends, right? Maybe some of our friends. Maybe it's school, right? Missing cross chat or Bible studies or church for school, right? Maybe it's your job. Who here in here has, and it's okay if you do, has a career job right now? Like, this is your career. You're going to retire. This is what you're going to do. All right, put, keep those hands up. Put them real high so people can see them. Maria, you, you, you're not quitting. Put up your hand. You can't. Put up your hand. You have a career job. Up high. One, two, three, four people, and then a few people, old people in the back that aren't paying attention. Um, okay, five. Okay, so if you don't have a career job, you can find another one of those jobs. If they're not going to work with your relationship with God, they're holding you back. And right now, you're training yourselves for your career job. Am I going to put my job ahead of God in my relationship with God? Because if you're not doing it now, you're not going to do it later. Set the tone for your life that you are going to put God number one in everything because the storms are coming. And if you don't train yourself now, it's not going to happen when you're 30. It's not going to happen when you have two, three, four, five kids. It's not going to happen. Train yourself now. Get rid of the stuff that holds you back, the weights and the, hinder the hindrances. If that guy isn't leading you towards Christ, dump him. If that girl isn't leading you towards Christ, get rid of her. If you're taking 18 college credits right now, is keeping you from God, take less credits. Life is long, guys. I can tell you that I can look back on my time in campus when I was not a campus minister, and I was like, man, that was holding me back. Why did I do that? Spend your time 
that you have left here on earth because it's short, living with no regrets, guys. Get rid of that stuff. So you need to get rid of the hindrances, but you also need to get rid of the sin. Because the sin isn't holding you back. The sin is killing you and your relationship with God. Get rid of that sin. The call to repentance, my wife, um, this is her, when we get in the, this is her go-to, her like ace in the upper sleeve when we get in a fight. What, what verse is it, honey? Okay, I'm ridiculous. This is for the recording, I'm ridiculous. This is what she said. 2 Corinthians 7, right? Because I want to be like, I'm sorry, like that, right? And it's a call. It says, now I'm happy, not because you were made sad, but because your sorrow made you change your lives. And that word, change your lives, this is the NCV, is led you to repentance. Led you to get rid of the sin. Right? You became sad in the way that God wanted, so you were not hurt by us in any way. That's refining character, guys. When you have a godly sorrow in your life and you get rid of that sin that is called godly sorrow, you're responding in the right way and it's bringing you closer to God. Right? And the Bible says that if you're sinning, cut off your hand, gouge out your eye, do whatever it takes. If you can't be on your phone, a smartphone, I have guys in my ministry that don't have data on their phones because they can't get on the phone without looking at something on YouTube. Cut off your hand. Gouge out your eye. Do whatever it takes to get that sin out of your life because it's sinking your ship. So we need to refine our character. Clear the decks. Get rid of that sin, that repentance. But then also the storms come so that we can become like him. Like our creator. Like God. Not that we will be God. Big difference. Right? In Psalm 66, 10 through 12. For you have tried us, O God. You have refined us as silver is refined. You brought us into the net, and you laid an oppressive burden upon our loins. You made men ride over our heads. We went through the fire. As we, they went through the fire and through the water, yet it brought us uh, out into a place of abundance. Guys, I was reading a book not too long ago. It was about temptation. And in there, there was a story uh, about silver and the silversmith. It said, a lady watches silversmith. He held a piece of silver over the fire and let it heat up. He explained that when refining silver, one needed to hold the silver in the middle of the fire where the flames were the hottest to burn away the impurities. She asked the silversmith if it was true that he had to sit there the entire time to watch it, the, the silver being heated up. And the man answered, not only do I have to sit there holding it, but I need to watch it. Because if it's in there for even a moment too long, the silver will be destroyed. And she looked at him and thought for a minute and was like, man, like, how do you know? How do you know when that silver is ready? And the silversmith just kind of smiled and said, I know the silver's ready when I can see myself in it. And then he pulls it out of the fire. And I can tell you this, guys, that I know God's, I've been in the fire, and God promises that he's not going to give us too much, right? And, and he's pulled me out of the fire when I'm refined. And the refining process is taking the impurities out, refining our character, helping us to become more like him. In Leviticus 20, 26, so you must be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy. And I have set you apart from other people to be my own. We need to be set apart. We need to become like the creator. All right, so when we're in that fire, consider it pure joy when you face trials. In James it says, because God is helping you to become like him. So I must remember that God provides us with timely resources. I must remember that God warns me so I can revise my direction. I must remember that God uses the storms to refine my character. And finally, 
I must remember that God rescues people to rescue people. God rescues people to rescue people. He rescued Paul, right? The chief of sinners we saw. We saw uh, Clint's presentation or his, his uh, keynote just a few minutes ago. He saved the people of his time. Philippians 1, 22 through 24. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful, fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. A desire to depart and be with Christ. Because he knew that his home was in heaven and that he had a home waiting for him. He desired to be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Because Paul was helping people to know God. And Paul also was rescued to save us. So what do you mean? I've never met Paul. But we're reading his words, right? We're reading his story. We're reading what happened to his life. Right? And there's a certain amount of encouragement to know that Paul was beaten. Paul was dragged. Paul was shipwrecked. Paul had all this stuff. Paul was murdered. Paul knew he was going to be murdered. And he still kept the faith. And that brings encouragement to me. Because my problems aren't nearly that big. Right? And I can look at Robert and I can know, like, and Robert's been abandoned in ministry. Right? And he's had people hurt him. And I can look at him. He's like the old man now. When I first came around, he would talk about Marvin Phillips like this. Right? You told some people. And he would talk about, like, oh, it's such an encouragement now. Like, Robert's the old man, and now I get to talk about Robert. He's such an encouragement. Right? And I can look at Lynn, and Lynn's like an old man, right? Yep. And I, yeah, preach, right? Amen, right? And Lynn's an old man, and know that, that they're old, and they're like getting through, and they've had these things happen to them, and they've had storms, and they're still going. And if you haven't met Gordon, I got to spend a little bit of time with Gordon. He seems like a great guy. And I know I know I've gotten to hear a little bit of his story where he's been. And he's old. It's an encouragement. And when I've seen people even my age go through a storm, I'm like, you know what? I can do that. I see that God's got their back. God's going to have my back. And he's going to see me through the storm. And if you just let the pain be pain, that is terrible. But if you put a purpose to that pain... It becomes useful. It becomes hope for people. Right? Man, God did this to them. And God saw them through this. I got hope for my life. You know, and one of my... I skipped over a bunch of stuff here. Uh, uh, in 2 Corinthians 2, right? God of comfort. And this is a... This is a, the message. I don't typically like the message. It's sometimes it makes a point, right? Um, all praise to God... And the Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us along someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. You know, after we had the miscarriage, you just don't even know like how many people have been through that same thing. Alright? I don't know how many times I've been driving a guy home from Cross Chat. And we just start talking about life, and then dads will come up. And I, you know, I have daddy issues still to this day. And I'll just start talking about my dad. I'm just focusing on the road, right? And then I'll look over, and there's just tears rolling down their face, right? And I can say, you know what? I, don't have, I, I was in that, but God's brought me here, and my son's never going to have to deal with that. And God can do that in your life, too, right? Or when I, I hear, like, Jess or even Robert, or the people who have been sexually abused, my sister, you know, I was abused, some guy took advantage of me, and violated me in the worst way possible. But there's hope in that. And if you let that 
abuse and that pain just be pain, the devil wins in that. But if you allow that to help heal someone and bring them comfort just as God had comforted you, there's victory and hope in that. Guys, where am I at here? He brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times just so we can be for that person as God was there for us. We have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah, but no more so than the good times of his healing comfort. When I hear the word comfort, it's like, sit down, be comfortable, relax. And that's what this whole lesson is about. It's relaxing through the storms, right? And knowing that God is bringing us through it. And if there's comfort through the storm, and our comfort can bring comfort for other people, Guys, I know that my story isn't my story. When I went under that water, I surrendered all. Not just myself, but my past and everything that had happened for me. And I don't always like airing out my dirty laundry. It's embarrassing. Guys, I lived in a trailer, holes in the floor of the trailer, food stamps, like roaches, like I grew up. Not a great place. I don't like telling people that. But I am a standing testimony of what God can do in your life. And I've got a whole ministry full of people that is like, God can do this in their life. And God, if God can do it with us screwed up people, he can do it for the people at Florida State and at Florida and at Tulsa and in Al- even Alabama and all these places, right? God can do it there, right? God can do this. So he's brought us out so that we can rescue people. And Joseph, guys, Joseph, right? was abandoned by his brothers, beaten, left for dead, right? And at the end, in Genesis 15, 19 and 20, but Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. I am in the place of God. You intended to harm me, to hurt me, to cause pain, right? And that was to be it. But God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Guys, we have a choice in our life. We can let the pain just be pain and hurt and bring us down and be an excuse for us to do all kinds of bad decisions and run our lives into the ground. Or we can let that pain be hope for someone else. Because in the Bible it says that when I am weak, God is strong. And when God is strong, lives are changed and people are brought to a place where they have an an eternal life. Guys, choose this day whom you're going to serve. Just know that your story isn't just your story and that there's hope through the storm. Guys, I'm going to pray and we can get out of here. There's another class in a little bit. I don't I look at your schedule. So. Um, Father God, Lord, I want to thank you. Um, I want to thank you for my story, Lord. Um, as much as I would want to go back and change it, Lord, I know that you were in the background the whole time, arranging the times and places and people in my lives, in my life, so that way I could find you, Lord. I pray that my story is never something that I'm ashamed of, Lord, but it's just all the glory to you. Lord, you're the only God and you're the only thing, person, whatever, strong enough to help bring um, a guy like me through it, Lord. I pray that you just work on the hearts of everyone in this room and at this conference, Lord, that we can be people that, that remember that you've comforted us and rescued us so that we can rescue the people around us, Lord. Help refine our character. Help us to get rid of the things in our lives that hold us back and the sin that will destroy us, Lord. Help us to seek out those people that are going to help bring us closer to you, Lord. And if the people in this room, Lord, I pray that if they don't have that ride-or-die person, that person that brings them closer to God, Lord, I pray that they can open up their eyes and find that person because I I know that you've put that person in their life, Lord. Again, I thank you for this weekend, Lord. I pray that we go back to our campuses and reclaim the passion and the campuses that uh, that are around us, Lord, in your name, Lord. I thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.